Welcome to the Crime of the Century podcast, where we expose higher education as a scam that it is. I'm Kevin Prendeville, and I believe that because of what we're teaching our children, we're losing an entire generation. Now, today, as always, we'll be diving headfirst into controversial subjects, undaunted by political correctness. Now, everywhere in our society, we're told to play it safe. For those who want to break out of that mold or ha have achieved great success, they're attacked relentlessly. But we must understand that everyone has potential and capacity to accomplish great things in the world. And today, we'll explore why this is part of the crime of the century. So the pain point here really is that a lot of us feel stuck or listless or we're always wondering you know, why we're here. And we've thrown, we're throwing the, the, the Bible out because that's, that's public school has taught, that's taught us that's, that's not okay. So we're throwing those ethics out. And so we feel like, okay, what's the point of all this? Well, we can deconstruct society into all, all these material things. Um, we can base our groups off what you look like. We can base our groups off what you believe, all of this stuff. And it becomes an issue because at some point you can break it down to what's the point of life because we're all just going to die. Now we've thrown the Christian ethic out the window so there's no afterlife. On a societal level, we don't really believe that anymore. So we're born, we live for 80 years maybe, and then we die, which is not a great way to live your life because at the end it's just I'm gonna enjoy this period of consciousness while I have it and that means I'm gonna go uh, drink from the age of 15 to 40 and uh, do drugs and smoke pot and just you know everyone else be damned I'll be dead by the time I'm 45 doesn't really matter because I'd be dead anyways and what kind of life is that what I mean what kind of what do you get out of that? And, and really, what's the point of doing that? Well, you don't help anybody else. You don't help the world around you. It's very selfish, very much of, I'll get mine, screw you and screw everybody else. At some point, you know, I'm going to make money. But frankly, you can't really make money without creating value for someone else. And that goes, even for the people who, who work uh, in a, you know, that white collar office job that that everyone you know seems to look down on nowadays, you're still trading your time and eventually your skill set for money in the future because that company couldn't accomplish what it what it wants to accomplish without you. And now, if they can, then they'll let you go, and you'll give you give them two weeks to know that. But the whatever you do, you're always trading your time for money because time is valuable. It's the most valuable asset that we all have. So we understand that we do all have value because we possess that time and that consciousness to do what we want. The difference is how specialized that time is. There are, there's a reason that Aaron Rodgers makes $20 million a year. Now, I bring him up only because I'm a football fan and I think I can relate this point, which might be a little bit more complex, to the general public. The best athletes in the world get paid what they do. LeBron James gets paid what he does, not because he's, just because he's good at basketball. The sport is something, or football, basketball, whatever. The sport is a something that people consume for entertainment. They want to know that their 
in a lot of cases in the U.S. at least, that their city is represented and represented well, which is why the, the, the Super Bowl, the championships are always the most important in the U.S. because we want to know that we're a part of something great. So how much is it really worth for somebody else to forget their troubles, to forget all the things that are going on in their life and band together with the people of their city just for a brief moment and say, you know, this represents us. And that's why bad teams are, are, are hated, you know. Does Oakland really want to be represented by the Raiders right now? I mean, the 70s Raiders, sure, they're, they're, they're nasty and they hit people and it's pretty much Oakland. But the idea that people are paid on some arbitrary scale that, um, you know, these four, five people own everything and then they give out money, um, you know, in these, in what we're taught at least, or at least I was taught by my more socialist professors that, that, you know, these five people are rich and they own everything and, and they'll always pay their workers nothing unless the government steps in. And that is not the case. See, people at the top want to keep valuable people because their skill set is defined. Their skill set is unique if they, if they are skilled enough. And what, what can it do for a company to have somebody who is a genius in the tech industry and uh, who can develop something that could make that company millions in the future? Why would you want to treat that person like dirt? That just doesn't, because if you do, they're going to go somewhere else because they have that, we live in a society, in an economic system that has worker freedom, worker movement, yet if, if you're on the bottom, yeah, sure, if you're on the bottom end, if you're a minimum wage worker, um, you know, you can find people to flip burgers almost anywhere. So I can understand why people at the very bottom don't feel like they are worth much. And this brings us back to our first point where we've thrown the point of life and, and, and the Judeo-Christian ethic out the window. So we don't believe our life has value beyond what we're paid. But uh, you can truly, and let's, let's ignore the, the biblical verses and let's, let's keep consistent with that. You can really live on forever here. I mean, based on what you do. I mean, we still know who Julius Caesar is. We still know who these people who have, uh, they've been dead so long their bones don't, are, are dust. They, what they've done, their personalities, stories that have been written about them have lived on throughout the ages because of what they've given to other people, what they've been able to provide in, in value. And those who live in infamy are the most selfish or the most evil are the ones that are there for themselves. And so when we take that idea that we can actually, the more that we do for somebody else, the more that we're remembered, the more that we get back. If we take this idea and marry it to the, okay, we create value when we're specialized, when we bring a knowledge or a skill set to the forefront. We marry these two topics together, and we understand that we have to be specialized in something, but that something has to create value for something else. And this brings me to my next point, which is we all have the ability to create, that we all have a conscious ability to make something. We can do anything from uh, video production and creating that kind of content to building a physical thing 
engineering of vehicles in one industry to, you know, uh, uh, to building skyscrapers on another industry. That's, that's all human ingenuity. Whether you're the engineer developing it, whether you're the construction worker that's actually physically turning the cement, whether you're the foreman making sure everything works together, there's a job for everyone who wants to do something. But what is that something? And that's what takes us through the bad times. Because we have to understand that, and I want to make this point before we get to the apex of, of this pain point, that life in and of itself is chaos. Think of that time when you were a kid, you're five, six, uh, five or six, not five, six, when um, you're looking up to your parents and the reason we look up to them is because they can help us make some sense of why we're here, how did I get here, all of that existential questions that we can never seem to solve well they know more than you do and they become attractive to you because they make some sense and with knowledge comes security and with some some security in the world you, you have some stable footing and you have that comfort zone and your comfort zone is simply what you know you know it to be true and it can't be shaken hopefully and that brings us to our next point you can't ever grow unless you step out of that into something that is chaotic. So you're always looking up to somebody. But what does that mean when it comes to our value that we create for somebody else? Well, somebody else doesn't know what you know and how to do it the way that you do it. So that'll be attractive to other people because you are making sense of their life. You're creating for them the ability to find that stable ground, to stop everything moving in this, in these crazy directions. So the more people that you can do that for, the more that you'll make just because your value to them, I mean, how valuable is it to make sense out of the world for somebody? And so that's why some people are paid more than others. And we can codify that within business. And my point here is, you can't be specialized in anything if you don't have a goal. So if, if, if your goal is to go to your, back to your hometown and build a library, all right? Well, you're gonna need to know politicians, especially bureaucrats in your hometown, but you're gonna need to be able to raise the funds. You're gonna have, need to have a namesake that people will will go towards. You're going to need to have support, both public and private. And, okay, fine. So you, t you take that goal. Then you realize, okay, to reach that goal, I need to break it down of these steps. I've broken it down to these steps. Okay, how do I achieve each one? Now, some of that might be, I need to build personal wealth. Well, how do I build personal wealth? I need to create value for somebody else. And this is what drives, really, the American economy is all of these people who have goals and a drive achieving what they can achieve because no government's telling them they can't, in theory. Now, we've gotten away from that and we like to think that for some reason the government's good and businesses are bad. Businesses are just the codified, somebody had at some point a vision and they wanted to create something and the business helped them codify it and actually create that value in the physical world and not the existential kind of world and what that means then is that 
every business starts small. Everyone starts somewhere, but everyone can achieve something in the world. But to go through life and not accomplish that is a problem. And when you see somebody who is actively pursuing their goals or who has come close to achieving their goals or who feels that they know where they're going, we feel inadequate. We feel inferior. We feel smaller. We feel it's not a good feeling. I don't know exactly how to describe it, but I can in a simple phrase, it's not a good feeling. And that can create animosity and anger. And you see this on a social scale, especially within the universities. And this is how they tie into everything. When they tell young people, not only can you never succeed, you're stuck where you are, you're paying us, you're putting your money in a place you can't touch it, you're broke for the rest of your life because they took all your money because they're driven, because they have a goal, because they know where they're going. And so it builds this animosity among those who feel like they'll never be adequate. They'll never be able to achieve. And we don't embody what we want to see in the world. See, we've accepted now, hopefully, uh, in part of this podcast, that life itself is chaos. All right, that's fine. And we feel listless. We, we don't feel like we have a goal. We're just going to have fun here and we're going to live until we're 45 or 60 or something and then we'll die of some sort of overdose and that's fun and that's life and that's why we're here. Now, let me tell you what, uh, drugs and alcohol probably aren't fun when you're 55 and don't have any friends. But we understand then from that point that we can start to create value for others. And the more specialized we are, the more valuable our time is and the more money that we'll make, the more specialized we are at a certain point. And people will pay us for that specialty. Now, the problem here on a societal level, coming from the universities, is that we all feel inadequate because we have not been taught this, what I feel is a truth. And because of this inadequacy, we don't, rather than change ourselves, we want to project that on others. So we go and we attack those who are successful, who have a goal, who have drive, who have all of this stuff. We don't want them, they, we want them to be like us, as confused and listless, listless as we are. So we go and we're going to destroy as much as we can about them. And that really all it does is destroy our children's future. Because if we create a society in which success is demeaned like that, then you're going to have a child with some woman you've only met for 30 seconds, and then that child will grow up and they'll be just like you. And if you're not successful, if you're not achieving the, uh, what you have the ability to achieve, uh, how are they going to be any different if you've created a society like that, which is what these universities, sorry, these professors want. And it's because they don't have their own goals. They don't have a reason to be here. They have ideology and that is it. And that's what feeds them. That's what drives them to a point until that worldview gets shaken by something that is true. But here's the solution. We have to accept that change is inevitable. I mean, 50 years ago, we didn't even have cell phones, right? And we have to understand that change 
so both in society and fundamentally on, on, a, on a global scale is inevitable. You're never going to stop it. That doesn't mean that you have to, uh, to dye your hair blue and cut yourself a mohawk or, or any of that stuff. You can still be a decent person. But you can change the world. And how do you do that is by creating value for somebody else, for a group of people, and being specialized on that topic. Then it's just a matter of scaling it. How many people can you touch? How many people can you change? How many people can you bring with you through your own revolution, through your own movement in the world. And it becomes almost a brand. You become, when you set that goal, you're branded by others as, okay, this person wants to achieve this. They want that to happen. And maybe, you know, maybe it's a, a, a company that you create. Maybe you want to provide a, a cheaper solution for clothing. That's how uh, JCPenney gets started. And your brand becomes that. Okay, fine, and, and we may not ever know who J.C. Penny the man was anymore. He's long dead, but we know his company and what he leaves behind in that sense. So we know if we brand ourselves with our goal to others, that we, actually, we become much more powerful because we're making sense out of the world. And the more we learn about that, the more resistant we are to indoctrination because you realize, I control my own future. Not you, not the government, not somebody else discipling to me. I have the free will to change the world as the way I see fit. And so I am going to take as much knowledge as I can in this topic to make sense out of life itself. And the fact that this is being taken away from us by those at the top is really part of the crime of the century.